All right. We, we've been in Genesis 22 for a couple weeks now. Um, and who, who remembers exactly what's all going on here? <laughs> What's that? I, I said Isaac's in trouble or Abraham thinks so. Isaac's in trouble or Abraham thinks so. Yeah. Yeah. So God had asked or commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And we see uh, Abraham going through with this. We see, you know, very early that next morning, he got everything ready and they took off. And they're heading to Moriah, uh, and that's basically where Jerusalem is. Um, and so he's going to the Mount in Moriah, and we weren't sure whether it would have been the Temple Mount or the place of the skull. Either way, both places are significant in God's redemptive history. Um, and But we do see Isaac and Abraham heading that direction. Uh, and then we saw that um, Isaac and Abraham left the servants behind when they saw the mountain. And Isaac placing the wood upon Isaac, or Abraham placing the wood upon Isaac. And, and so there's some foreshadowing there of... Jesus, who carried the wood of his own sacrifice. Um, and Isaac, what did, what did he ask his father? Do you guys remember? Yeah, yeah. here's the wood, we have the fire. Where's the lamb? You know, Dad. And how does Abraham answer his son? God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we left off. And, and so let's pick things up in verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. 
All right. So they get there, and Abraham, he builds this altar. Um, and he binds Isaac to the top of this altar. Now think about this. We're not exactly sure how old Isaac is at this time. Um, Scripture doesn't really clarify. But I doubt he's very, very young. Um, You know, my guess is he's at least 13, 14 years old by now. He could be older than that. Um, Abraham's an old man, right? Uh, You know, Isaac's old enough to carry all the wood. And so he's a strong young lad. How does Abraham bind his son to this altar? How does that happen? Yeah. Most likely that's what happened, right? Most likely Abraham filled in Isaac, this is what God told me. This is what I need to be doing. And most likely Isaac went willingly to the altar. What do you guys think about that? And would you do that? <laughs> Isaac trusted his dad. Yeah. Yeah, it sh- it shows how strong a faith Isaac had too, right? Um, what does this also foreshadow for us? Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus went willingly. You know, in in the Gospel of John, he says, "Nobody takes my life; I give it of my own accord." And so Isaac, he, he allows his dad to bind him to this altar. Um, and, and, you know, in the same, same time, you know, Abraham, he's willing to go through with it, right? He has the knife in his hand. He's ready to strike. And... Um, Why, why is he willing to do this? I, I would think because by now the Lord had been with him for so many years and had proven and his promises are, are that he will fulfill his promises. So why would he stop now? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, his belief in God that his promises are true. And this, you know, Bobby, you brought this up a couple weeks ago, and I talked about it last week as well. Um, in in book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, let's turn there one more time. In verse 19, or let's start in verse 17. It says, By faith... 
Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so he believed that God, even if the the knife had slit Isaac's throat, that that God would be able to bring Isaac back back from the dead. Abraham believed that. It's crazy to think about, isn't it? I mean, had Abraham ever seen a resurrection? No. Has there ever been a story up to this point in history of a resurrection? No. And so he's going on pure, blind faith. There's, There's nothing from the observable world that would tell him that God would raise Isaac from the dead, except... God had promised, right? And, and so I, I, when I left last week, I, I kind of asked two questions for you guys to think about over the week. You know, one, what sacrifices does God ask us to make as Christians? And two, what promises do we have that enable us to make those sacrifices? And so hopefully you guys had a chance to ponder over that last week. If not, ponder over those questions this week um, because they're important. Because it's true, the Christian life is not an easy life, is it? No, there, there are sacrifices. You know, Jesus doesn't say, you know, um, he, he doesn't say, oh, let me open the door to my... My convertible, come on in, and we'll, we'll go for a cruise. He, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Um, you know, he, he says there are sacrifices to be made. Um, and and this, is, this is what God calls us to do, but there's promises, right? There's promises from God that care, help us and encourage us to make those sacrifices. Um, And when we focus on the promises, that's when we can have the ability to make the sacrifices. Does that make sense? Silence. (laughs) Yeah. So, So... Abraham, he's about to do this thing. He's about to slit his son's throat. And then what happens? Yeah. Yeah. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. My guess is he's like, here I am. What do you want me to do? You know, it's like, I do not want to be doing this. If I can pause for a second, I will pause. Um, yeah, and so it's, it's interesting because it's, it's at the very last possible moment, is it not? I mean, he has a knife ready. He's about to do it. 
Abraham, Abraham. And why do you think God waited to the last possible moment? Dramatic effect. Dramatic effect, yeah. That's good story writing, isn't it? <laughs> what other reason do you think? It was a true test. It was a true test, right? Um, and, and so what's interesting is verse 12, he says, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And so he says, now I know that you fear God. Now, did God already know this? Yeah, God already knew this. But did Abraham already know this? Here's the thing. A lot of times we don't know how much we trust in God and fear God until we're put to the test. Um, And so this test is for Abraham. It's not for God. God already knows the answer, but the test is for Abraham. And so the fact that Abraham was this close, it, it proved to Abraham that he does fear God. And why do you think he uh, uses the word fear God? Why not trust God? Why not love God? Now I know you love me, or now I know you you trust in me. But he, he uses the word fear. What is that all about? I think it speaks to God's authority. Mm-hmm. Reverence, yeah. Keep going. What do, what do you mean by reverence? Just a respect for what God says. A respect for what God says, yeah. Yeah, and so the, we we got to think about the, the usage of the word fear here and the, the different ways that this word can be used. You know, even in, in our language, we use the word fear, and that's because of Scripture, because... Our language, a lot of our language is based off of the, the words of the Bible. Um, even the way we use fear today, you know, sometimes it can mean terror, right? Um, you know, a bear's chasing you. That's one type of fear. Um, but there is a, a fear uh, as well when it comes to a, a reverence or a respect Does that make sense? And, and, it, and so, yes, there's, there's a fear of God in which we should, oh, he's, he's a lot scarier than a bear, right? Um, but there's also a fear in the sense, oh, he's, he's God and I'm a creature. I'm his creation. I need to respect him. Um, there are so many places in the Bible where there's even just angels, just angels yeah. coming to see people. That's what 
fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. I'm sure being in the presence of God is something that probably most of us have not experienced, you know. There he is, he's right there speaking. I I can't imagine the emotions that it would would bring up in somebody that they think of God as, you know, God is God, but, you know, if he's right there in front of you, it's got to be overwhelming. It's like an overwhelming... Yeah, kind of an awe. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking what, you know, not too far prior to this in Scripture, I guess it'd probably be 10, 20 years before with Sodom and Gomorrah, but what Abraham experienced through all that. I mean, you see, it's just this big picture of his faith, right? It's weird how God's growing, but God is just looking back at that. That had to have uh, set Abraham back a little bit. Yeah. You know, so now where he's being faced with this, he's like, well, I have to learn from my son because God might destroy me, the city, but, you know, all those good thoughts haven't been going through his mind. Yeah. Yeah, and so Abraham has seen God act in history, right? Whether it's Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, whether it's through his interactions with the Egyptians when he went down to Egypt or uh, with um, Abimelech, the king there. And, and so he's seen God all through his life acting in a way that those who are opposing God are facing judgment. Those who are following God or who have been called by God um, have seen his blessing. Him personally has seen God's blessing on his life. Um, And he knows that it has nothing to do with him or how good of a person he is. Um, Because he knows his own sinfulness, right? I mean, he's... Even through his sinfulness, God has been blessing him. Um, and, and so what we see here is it's almost a, a gratefulness, a, a trustworthiness of God. Um, and I have to imagine when <laughs> the angel called out to him, he'd been like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, so he says, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And again, we get this wording of the son, his only son. Um, and remember how Ishmael is also his son, but he has now been cast out. He's no longer a part of the inheritance. He's no longer a part of the blessing. Um, And so in a sense, Isaac is his only son. Um, But this really points forward to Jesus as well as God's only son who would be sacrificed. Um, 
And then in verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And so we see the ram. And how did the ram get there? Well, maybe supernaturally or providentially. The ram could have freaked out too, right? Um, God had directed this ram somehow to go over there. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it's a fulfillment of what Abraham said to Isaac. God will provide for himself the sacrifice. Um, and and it's, it's just offered up easily too, right? Because the horns are caught in this thicket. It's stuck. How did it get there? You know, it's maybe there was some food down there or some grass it wanted to eat, and it there was a thicket below the grass, and oh, now I'm stuck. What am I going to do? I don't know. It got there, though. Um, and God had directed the ram there, uh, and... And so Abraham, he, he takes the ram and offers it, offers it up instead of his son. And so here we see a substitutionary atonement, right? You guys heard that word before, substitutionary atonement? What does that mean? One thing given for another. One thing given for what does atonement mean? Restoration. Yeah, it's 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 an atonement for sins, right? Um, and so it is uh, another word that we find in Scripture, propitiation, um, which is kind of one of those words that gets thrown out there, and maybe nobody knows what it means. Um, but it, it, is a, it is a sacrifice that appeases God's wrath, um, that appeases his righteous anger towards sin. Um, and so this is what's going on here. Instead of Isaac being sacrificed, now there is a ram in his stead that is taking up this sacrifice. Um, and again, this is, it's all foreshadowing Christ, right? Christ for us is that ram caught in the thicket. Um, he is taking our place upon the cross when he dies for us, when he bleeds, when his body's beaten, um, when, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, that should have been us upon the cross because of our sins. But instead, Jesus is up there as a substitution for us. He's a propitiation. He is taken upon God's wrath upon himself so that we don't have to. And that's good news, isn't it? It's very good news. Um, so not to think too deep on it, but um, we kind of already are. So yeah. with Isaac, you made the point there's no mention of him wrestling or fighting or whatever. It seems like he went in 
the same with the ram, because if you've ever tried to wrestle a ram before, <laughs> it just says that he went and took it. Yeah, it was given up to him. The, the fact that his horns were caught in the thicket, my guess is Abraham may have took the knife right there, slit its throat, right. like it wasn't, let it bleed out. I've never dealt with a ram, but that was weird. Yeah. They're powerful animals. Yeah. Even if one's caught in something, they don't just stand there, you know? No, no. They're fighting, they're thrashing, whatever, so yeah, there's definitely... Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine the ram would have been trusting of Abraham. You know, um, now if he was like a shepherd, and it was one of his rams or one of the sheep, you know, those things trust you, and then they, when it's the last moment, they're like, "Oh, what happened? I trusted you." <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, but we, we do see the ramps provided. God provides it. Um, yeah. And, and this is verse 14, you know. So Abraham called the place, called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And what, is, what does that tell us? That he did, yeah. That he will. That he will. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord will provide. Yeah. And this interesting. I don't. I'd have to look in the Hebrew to see if there's if it is future tense, but it's in the English. It's future tense. The Lord will provide. Um, he could have named the place the Lord has provided. Right. Um, but, but he named the place the Lord will provide. And so, yes, the Lord has provided, but in Abraham's mind, he's thinking God's always going to provide. The Lord will provide. Well, he still probably has that promise on the forefront of his mind. Yeah. That promise just couldn't come through either. Yeah. But he's still going to provide. So yeah. It makes sense to me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's, he's thinking to himself, you know, He's been faithful so far. He'll be faithful in the future as well. Um, yeah. And, and we know that the Lord does provide. The Lord would provide through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, and even now, we can say the Lord will provide. Uh, because even though we look back and look at what God has done, we're also waiting for something better, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if if this is it, well, then what kind of salvation is that, right? Um, we're we're looking towards a future home. We're looking towards what God will provide for us uh, when Christ returns. You guys see that? Somebody brought this passage up that was 
obviously not a believer in it was sort of a parody or making fun of the fact that I or uh, Abraham was blindly following God. Oh, you know, I'm mm. just going to sacrifice my son, and you know that it was sort of it was like they were saying, you know, believers are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> they just blindly follow God, and they don't have any they don't have any wisdom. And it's like if you take it out of context, sure, you know, it can look like that. But we just said it's like. You're looking at you know things that have happened before and things that are to come that they don't have that that faith and hope and, and just it it made it more real to me that this is why people don't understand that because they take it out of context and they don't mm-hmm. see that future and that hope. Yeah. Yeah, and and that speaks to faith, right? Um, there's a difference between knowledge. And faith. Uh, people can know the Bible, you know, very, very well, and yet lack faith. They don't understand the Bible because God has not opened their eyes to it. Um, the Holy Spirit hasn't enabled them. Yeah. Um, and, and so they may have gotten all the details of the story of Abraham correct there. The Sunday school version. Yeah, the Sunday school version. Um, but they, they miss the whole point. Um, and that's the danger that we can run into as well. Um, you know, without God's help, we're going to miss the point. Uh, when we think life is about us, when we think life is about, um, you know, even I, I think of that, you know, the, this person, you know, I, I don't want to speak for this person, but, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm so enlightened, right? I'm, I'm so wise. I'm not following the archaic ways that people who believed in God used to follow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but all that's really doing is it's lifting yourself up in the position of God. You know, and it, it brings you back to Genesis 3 um, that, you know, God knows that when you eat of the fruit, you will be like him. Right? Um, and and that's, that's the challenge for us is we can jump into Scripture and we can read ourselves into it um, and miss the point when what God's trying to point out to us is this is about him and how he deals with us. It's about him rescuing us, not about us rescuing ourselves. Um, being Reformation Sunday, you know, Martin Luther, he, he used to talk about there's two types of theologians. There's a, a theologian of glory and there's a theologian of the cross. And the theologian of glory is all about what can I do? Um, and, you know, he's battling the, the, the Roman Catholic Church at that time and kind of how they had twisted scripture and uh, input all their traditions that weren't from God um, into it. And it became a theolo- theology of glory, man's glory, 
right? Um, but he said, no, we need to have a theology of the cross and realize that it is through Jesus Christ, Christ alone, that salvation comes. It's not by anything we do. And that, that was the heart of the Reformation. Any other thoughts or questions on this before we close in prayer? Yeah, you mentioned about uh, substitutionary atonement. I, I was just also struck as how uh, this is you know, very much uh, you know, a basis for the Levitical system of sacrifice that would come about later. Um, you know. Yeah, the Levitical system, that wasn't anything original, yeah. right? Um, and so there were sacrifices being made, you know, Cain and Abel. They're, they were offering gifts to God. Um, and so we, we see offerings from the very get-go, um, straight out of the garden. But instead of, uh, you know, yeah. your son, you, you come yeah. for a, a ram. Yeah. And, and, and even... If, if you think back to it, you know, Genesis 3, um, God covered up Adam and Eve with animal skins. How do you get those animal skins? You know, there, there had to be a sacrifice there as well. Um, and so the, there's, there's blood sacrifice from the very beginning um, because there had to be. Any other thoughts or questions? All right, let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you just for the, the faith that Abraham showed, the faith that Isaac showed. Um, Lord, that they were willing to go through with this. Uh, but we thank you even more for your intervention, that you stayed Abraham's hand and you brought a substitute. And Lord, we, we, we thank you that this account it foreshadows for us the substitute, the ultimate substitute that you would provide for us through your son, Jesus. And so we pray that uh, just through this this story through this historical record, Lord, that you would help us to remember each and every day that you are the God who provides. You provided for us in the past, and you will provide for us in the future. And we thank you for that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.